0: Welcome to On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be doing a year in review to end out our our season. Uh, this is season three, the next episode will begin at season four. I will release it sometime in January uh, once I have things together. As always, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram Matt Lucas Muay Thai, or email me at a gmail.com. Thanks to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. I have two big projects coming up. I am actually filming in the midst of filming for both of them. One is uh, media and marketing for Muay Thai, which is directed specifically at people in the industry, gym owners, promoters, uh, fighters, that want to grow their media presence, their brand, um, and their social media. So this guide will go over strategy and technical tips, how to do reels, how to create slideshows, how to create a following. The other piece that I am doing is I am part of a group of scoring uh, officials and we will be putting out a regular Patreon account with scoring information, that way we can develop our education about scoring regularly. Uh, there's been a lot of issues regarding scoring, not only abroad but here in Thailand too. And we just want to keep up to date with things. These continuing education projects are so so important to develop the sport, to develop to develop our knowledge, to develop our skill set, and to grow and grow, and grow the sport. Both of these projects will come out in January, so look forward to releasing them, and if you have any questions, make sure to hit me up about them. Thanks, as always, to Patrick Rivera for getting this show started. This episode, we're going to go over five different topics, um, things and areas that have sort of accomplished, and happened this year. The first is social media. The second will be talking about the podcast itself. The third is writing. The fourth is video that has been developed. And the fifth will be about business. So launching right into things, we'll talk about social media specifically uh you know the different accounts I've worked on over the years. I like to be pretty transparent about what's happened. Uh FairTex Training Center Started at 111,000 followers and came up to 11,016. So about a 5,000 person increase. Muay Thai Gram grew uh, 14,000 from 214,000 to 228,000. My own account went up uh, 1,700, about from 5,100 to 6,895. I also started doing Ute sports scam and the Muay Thai Development League. Muay Thai Development League is just under 2,000 right now. So what did I learn from doing this? Well, with the bigger accounts like Fairtex and Muay Thai Gram they actually went through a period of being frozen. The follower account wasn't growing and it wasn't stagnating. We were still doing interesting content still developing and engaging with people but the numbers and metrics weren't really moving it wasn't that big of a deal because you know one of the things that made it a little easier is that both big accounts were frozen so had more to do with instagram adjusting its algorithm one of the pros and cons of the algorithm is that you're to some extent subject to it But it also gives you a free audience. Uh, Muay Thai Grammit, we're not paying for the audience in the same way that Fairtex isn't paying for its audience. So can you really complain that much about how you're not gaining followers when you're basically getting free publicity through the algorithm? That said, it's still, you know, as the platforms develop, it's harder and harder for things to grow. So what do you do? You need to uh, reinvent what you're doing a lot, Um, which I learned a lot, especially through doing more reels and video editing. Uh, I did long form pieces earlier this year. I'll talk about them later, but I also did a lot more reels uh, video editing. So doing very, very short um, action clips always did very, very well. When there's just smack, smack, smack on the pad, each clip being about one second, the following count tended to do better, or the engagement always tended to do better. The other thing is when it was more fight-oriented. I was lucky enough to be a part of the Muay Thai Attic campaign, which had to do with triumphant in florida where kevin ross and asa ten pao fought so i covered a lot of social media for that show and i did a lot of different advertising and a lot of different types of publicity i did blogs i did uh podcasts online interviews and i also did um instagram and where i found the most traction was in advertising the fights themselves on instagram um, especially with some sort of motion and video included in the content. So I think that is a really positive sign in a lot of ways because people are interested in the fights and the other information sort of bolsters that interest in the fights. I think it's very important and you know we have to understand that some of the other content is more long-form um, content More related to sort of content marketing, uh, something that I've been doing or been more aware of this year. Uh, Content marketing was thought of by uh, Joe Paluzzi, who has a great book, Content Inc., So I'll go ahead and read the definition of content marketing from the Content Marketing Institute. Content marketing is a strategic marketing approach focused on creating and distributing valuable, relevant, and consistent content to attract and retain a clearly defined audience, and ultimately to drive profitable customer action. So a lot of what I have been doing in the past has definitely been content marketing especially as I am seeing, you know, my Facebook memories pop up uh, with old posts that I've done. I've been able to repost them and they're still relevant. They're evergreen. They last for a long time. The important part though, and something we'll talk about later, is uh, driving towards profitable customer action. We see that in the In the Muay Thai Attic campaign in the doing the swipe ups to directly buy the link to the show creating the information and creating the sort of buzz about the show led to more customer interaction customer profitable action which meant direct ticket sales on their site so the other piece that I wanted to talk about is something that I started recently doing is the slideshows um, or slideshows on Instagram. I got the idea from a very very good designer, Chris Doe, who does slideshows consistently and does very very well with them. He actually had a great interview with Onion Topic a while ago. It's he's very great at doing graphic design and talking about business. I definitely uh, advise people to look into him, especially if you're interested in People like Seth Godin, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, and Chris Doe is another marketing guru, if you will, who I think has a lot of great things to say. Anyways, by doing these slideshows, uh, I was able to really grow my Instagram account. A lot of them went viral with a lot of shares, especially considering the size of my following. So my most recent carousel reached about 9,700 accounts and got over a 1,000 content interactions, Uh, 800 likes, 134 saves, and 133 shares. I have my following is uh, 6,900. So it saw more than my following and also got a very, very significant amount of content interaction, about 11%. A normal content interaction for me is around 7 or 8% for most of my content on my own page. It also did well on Muay Thai Graham. It saw 47,000 accounts reach with 3,800 content interactions. So about 9% interaction there. It got 600. 37 saves and 450 shares. So these types of content are very very viral. They're relatively easy to do once you understand the mechanics of them. It's something that I go over in my upcoming media and marketing course, which I will release soon. Anyways, this one was based on train spotting and was really meant to drive home on a lot of people's new year's resolutions. I want people to be inspired and to get motivated by Muay Thai. The more motivation, the more energy behind it, the more shows, the more fighters, uh, ultimately the business of the sport will grow. These are the two big developments I've found over the year for social media, doing these Instagram carousel slideshows and really honing down on video and developing better visuals and better aesthetics for video. So moving away from that and into the podcast itself, uh, we had a couple big areas of focus. uh, Career development, business, the UK, uh, Australian history, and Nakmoying. So Nakmoying is a recurring topic, I try and cover it every year. My goal is to consistently make about 20 or more percent of my content about female fighters because I feel like that is the demographic of female fighters currently and or it's growing. And I think it's important to you know, give a shout out to the developing audience. The more women in the sport, I believe, will help with the marketing, will help with the advertising. So I think it's very, very important to promote the Nak Ying. And there have been some pretty big strides in terms of female fighters this year. Channel 8 has been having very good shows. Uh, Lumpini has introduced female fights at the stadium. So there's a lot going on here in Thailand with the female Muay Thai scene. So the next two topics I hit on the UK and Australian Muay Thai history were developed because last year during COVID, when there was a shutdown, the histories that I did of different gyms did very, very well. So I wanted to try that again and focused uh, specifically on the UK and then specifically on Australia. Uh, With the Australian Muay Thai uh, series, I was actually converted it into a blog as well which appeared on Muay Thai Gram. This to me was an exercise in content repurposing so I was able to take an existing product something that I'd already done repackage it and present it in a new way with you know more information or different information to gain a different audience. While it wasn't necessarily conclusive and all-encompassing. I do think that it was an important piece of content for me to create for the blog and just to have something written. It's sometimes difficult to go through podcasts and listen to the whole thing for all the information and to get all the details down. I very much doubt you will remember the exact numbers of followers and saves and shares that I talked about with the uh, Instagram carousels. But if you read that in a blog or you see it written down, it's a little uh, easier to interact with and to draw from. The next two issues definitely had to do with business. I think it's part of my reoccurring and, you know, sustained interest In the business of Muay Thai. I'm really interested in seeing. The business of the sport grow. Uh, Something that I'll talk about. When I talk about my trip to the States as well. But career development. And the business of the sport. I think for me. The most interesting podcast I did. Was with Liam Harrison. Liam has done a bang up job. Developing himself as a brand. And as a business. And he's done it in a very interesting way he's not necessarily tied down to a specific location especially not anymore he's he still has his fight career but he has other other assets going for him he has an online platform he has several of them uh his own instagram and his own podcast uh but also he has his online school so these three are different revenue streams for him This is included with his in-person personal training and then seminars. This provides him with a lot of different ways to be making money and monetizing. That's something that I think a lot of fighters need to develop in order to grow. Liam is also very, very smart about having kept all of his content. That's something he talks about. Oh, you know, he felt bad at that. Or he feels a lot of fighters don't necessarily have the fights and the content, so he's lucky that he saved a lot of it and you know developed from that. But what can we learn from that? I think that we can learn that we need to start documenting the journey right away. Whether it's from you're a beginning fighter or a beginning gym owner or a beginning manager, or a beginning promoter, when you start documenting the process, uh. As Austin Cleon from Show Your Work says, you're able to grow and develop a following. Uh, the other person of interest I interviewed was Perry Arafer, who came out here recently for IFMA. You know, there's a growing realm of content creators involved in the sport. YouTube is... Becoming more and more popular. It's something I've gotten involved in and it's a relatively easy way of monetizing This sport so you're you know in several of the videos I've done. I've just videotaped fights Uploaded them with a cover image and some basic content and they get a fair amount of views Muay Thai's by Timo Rouge did a very very similar approach and he was able to monetize and I would say because of his big library of content he was able to proceed with his career and is now working for one championship. So I think that there's a big side for career development and just documenting um, fights and things going on around the fights. So moving on into our next section, talking about writing. So one, I had two big projects that I helped out with. Uh, One, Muay Thai Grit by Michael Chase Corley I was a bigger part of. And then Fighting for Success by Lynn Miller I still helped out with. Um, But both are great additions to the world of Muay Thai. Muay Thai Grit tells more of the personal stories of Michael Chase Corley. And I was a lot more involved in the editing, the putting together, um, you know, basically a copy editor and helped put it into print. So that was a very, very long and arduous process, but I'm very, very happy. Um, I feel like Corley has gotten more opportunities from it and more recognition. Fighting for Success by Lynn Miller documents her story of opening Sumali Lee Jim in Phuket, she had a lot of involvement in the Muay Thai scene. Uh, was involved in with another gym that had Sinbi or that had Sanchai there. Uh, so a lot of interesting information there. Um, for that, I more helped guide her through the publication process and gave her some basic feedback. Both. I think are very, very valuable pieces of content and information for the Muay Thai world because they look at the Muay Thai world in different ways. There's not a lot of books about Muay Thai. Most of the books are instructional, you know, how to kick, how to punch books. Uh, And even then there's only maybe five or six. This sort of content rounds out the development of the sport and shows a lot more depth to it. So personal stories also inspire and teach us. Michael Corley made a lot of mistakes with his career, and I think it's something that we can all learn from. In the same way, Fighting for Success shows us how to develop a Muay Thai gym and Muay Thai business. While a lot of gyms have closed due to COVID, especially out here in Thailand, there is opportunity to reopen gyms and to reestablish a footprint of Muay Thai, especially as things are going more and more international and to televised or internet streaming shows. So, speaking of streaming, our next sort of area we'll cover is the videos. So, one of my big goals for the year was to do a lot more videos and I was definitely successful. I did a bunch of long form content, I did a video training with Stamp, I followed her morning and afternoon session. The morning session I believe did particularly well. Uh, It's been recommended a lot so that has helped me monetize the Fairtex YouTube channel. And just as I was saying before, I didn't do anything particularly original. I just documented her training and I cut and edited it to make it evergreen. In the same way, I did uh, a trip to Moy Hardcore. I followed Aaron Zakan and Tai Nan Lei as we went down to Moy Hardcore for Channel 8. Um, Talked about the weight cut, the travel, you know, all the sort of ins and outs of fighting out here in Thailand on a entertainment show. The other big things I did, uh, I did several pieces on scoring. Uh, So this really, really hit home in terms of what sort of information people want. People want and need to know more about scoring and how scoring works. I did several short videos on scoring in Muay Thai. I was able to do a presentation on scoring a seminar while in San Francisco, um, and also talk to Kevin Noon about scoring for the WBC. So I think what we're seeing with video is long form content, maybe five to nine minutes does work, Uh, but it is very, very laboring intensive and it takes a while to monetize, at least monetize through YouTube. So we need to figure out a way to potentially monetize faster or to develop this information in a way that's a little more sustainable. I'm looking forward to continuing to do more video work, uh, especially next year. I want to do more short and long form video work. So moving right along, we'll talk about business. So the big business things that I found was my tour in the United States, uh, coaching, and then uh, most recently selling memorabilia. Uh, These, I feel, are sort of unexplored areas in terms of business. Um, I was flown out for the Muay Thai Business Summit in Houston. This was my second time Patrick Rivera sent me out so I want to thank him so much again for that. It was a really, really great tour. Uh, the summit in particular was really good. I did a piece on content marketing and then one on athlete development. Both areas I think have aided me and that I've grown through and I think can really aid other people, gym owners, fighters, um, promoters, etc. Uh, the rest of my time in the States, I spent about two months. I actually did a tour. Um, so I went San Francisco, Stockton, Sacramento, Houston, Austin, Boston, New York, Philly, um, Arizona, Seattle, Portland, and LA. So I did several seminars. Like I said, I did the WBC seminar. I But I also did a lot of seminars. Just about Muay Thai, particularly in uh, Portland, in um, New York, in Arizona, and several other areas. So something that I saw and something that I want to repeat from my sort of feedback on this tour is there's definitely a lot of enthusiasm for Muay Thai in the states people drive 20-30 minutes to gyms they're paying $200 you know 150 hundred fifty, two hundred $200 you know that's on the high end but definitely above $100 a month to go to the gym that's a fair amount of money and a fair amount of time that doesn't include other Things like shorts, hand wraps, gloves, shin guards, etc. There's a lot of money being developed and passed around in the sport. That said, not a lot of people have as much connection to the sport as I think that they could. We also need to look at the cost of fighting. How expensive it is, you know. A lot of the tournaments, like the uh, the TBAs in Iowa, cost about fifteen hundred dollars to fight. So, how are people making money to fight? How are they sustaining themselves? You know, I understand for a lot of people, it's not a job, it's just a hobby. But how can we develop it so that it is a job, that it is a career? Um, I think that is something that really, really highlighted, uh, was really, really highlighted during my journey. The other thing was. You know the need for more bridges, more connections between Thailand and the States uh, and North America in order to develop the um, the business and the sport of Muay Thai. The last point I would say is. In the states there in North America, you can't really make Muay Thai a career, or it's more it's more hodgepodge. It's very difficult. Some people I would say have made it and have been successful at it, like Kevin Ross, uh, Natalie Morgan has done well. Onion Topic, but also, uh, you know, Onion Topic has come out to the states. Uh, Natalie is very, and. All three of them, I would say, are very, very prolific on the internet in terms of their social media and marketing. But, you know, there's no direct course for career growth in the United States. Things are looking like they're changing, especially with things like the USA qualifiers, where there's more of a direct, you know, line. Okay, you go from your local shows to your amateur shows, then you're doing tournaments. Then you're doing US, um, MF activities like the World Game Qualifiers, then maybe the World Games or IFMA, but that doesn't necessarily come into a monetary component at all. This is in contrast with Muay Thai in Thailand where, okay, you start off making money, yes, a lot of times it's not much money and or you're breaking even, but as you develop as a fighter you're making more and more money. Uh, So, and when you are done with fighting you can potentially become a trainer you can potentially become a reporter uh, you can get into the sport in other ways because there is more of an industry out here that said though I do feel like the business of the sport is growing Uh, I was able to tour around the states and make money Um, I was also able to pick up Coaching clients as well, coaching media and marketing for Muay Thai while abroad, which was very, very helpful. And I think that the sport is definitely growing when I see, you know, people like Petanong, Petanong, Pet Fergus, and Superbon bon Chemek do a massive tour in the States and go around the States teaching Muay Thai, basically, even. Though right now they're both kickboxing because of money. Uh, They mainly taught at Muay Thai gyms. So that's an interesting phenomenon. And they're definitely making money at it. And they're definitely developing the sport and the connection between Thailand and the States. The other thing is, when it, as these foreign fighters are becoming more popular, there's more opportunities. Something that I've done recently is I've sold some memorabilia, uh, signed limited edition photos of stamp fairtex. Uh, they're about four hundred to five hundred dollars, um, and they've been doing very very well. I'm almost all sold out. I'm very confident that I will sell out of the four or five photos that I have left. I also think that there's an increasing number of business opportunities and money-making opportunities for foreigners out here in Thailand to help out foreigners back home. I think that there's going to be a growing resurgence of foreigners need for fights out here. Um, Max Muay Thai is not reopened but will probably reopen sometime soon. Hopefully, Uh, Fairtex is throwing uh, fights at at Lumpini Stadium with both male and female fighters and foreigner and Thai fighters. Then there's a continuing Channel 8 which has a lot of foreign fighters. All of these are direct feeders into larger international promotions as well like one championship where the athletes are getting paid Quite well. So I feel like there's an increasing number of business opportunities opening, um, but it is taking a little time to develop them. And I do think that you need to sort of be in the right place at the right time to gain hold of them. So, wrapping things up, I guess I could say, you know, for this year, it's been another year of good growth despite COVID shutting down the. Thailand for about three months. Uh, things are reopening here. I think that COVID is going to be just something we're going to learn to live with. Um, you know, pros or cons. It's the economy at this point. I think has recovered enough that we're going to just keep pushing forward through it. And I see a lot of opportunities growing for uh, Muay Thai. You know, the growth of the continuing growth on social media, uh, the different tactics that I've personally learned. Um, There's an increasing number of podcasts like Liam Harrison's podcast, Uh, Angela Chang started podcast, Don Heatrick. There's slowly becoming more and more media uh, and there's in, in hand books as well like Michael Chase Corley and Lynn Miller. There's also an increasing amount of information and entertainment, not only with fights, but videos like the training with Stamp, the trip to Muay Hardcore. Uh, And lastly, I think that there's more business, uh, which is helpful uh, around the world and around the sport. So I think that 2022 Muay Thai has a very, very strong future. I think that a lot of people have sort of been held back because of the coronavirus. We're going to see a big spring and a big resurgence or surgence of the sport. We can see it already a little bit in the States. A lot of promotions have sprung up. Rami Ibrahim is doing Freedom Fighter promotion. There's the World Game Qualifiers. I believe uh, there's also the MDL. Um, There's a show in Texas coming up. Um, There's also the show in Chicago, along with other regional shows, along with the tournaments. So I think 2022 will be a very, very active year, and we need to really capitalize on it and keep that ball rolling. So without further ado, thank you so much for listening to this episode. This has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.